Welcome to the interview series, the first podcast by ICMP, the Institute of Contemporary Music Performance in London. I'm back with the second season of interviews, this time focusing on the people that made ICMP a pioneer when it comes to music higher education in the UK, our tutors. This time I spoke to Francesca Confortini, one of ICMP's vocal tutors. She's also an ICMP graduate from the BMAS Popular Music Performance Program, who's worked in the marketing team as well, writing and planning our short courses and summer schools. Francesca and I talked about her time at ICMP, both as a student and as a tutor. She's been with us for such a long time, so she had a lot to tell. We then moved on to her career and most recent ventures, including her remote collaboration with Yusuf Islam, previously known to the public as Kat Stevens. Francesca surely keeps herself very busy with her teaching, session work, live gigging, as well as a master's in jazz studies. Most importantly, she also shares how she learned the hard way to put her body and mental health at the first place to be able to conduct such an active life. Finally, Francesca and I also discuss what's it like to be an Italian female musician and the challenges that come with it. We did laugh quite a bit too in this episode. I hope you will as well while you're listening. Show us some love, reach out on social media at ICMP London and share this episode with your friends if you want to. Most of all, subscribe to not miss any new episodes. Have you ever been in a, in a podcast? Have you ever been featured? I've been featured in a couple of blog interviews, but they were never recorded. So that is a first time for me. <laughs> right. Amazing. Amazing. Like, right. Okay. Let's break the ice. So first thing I'm going to sort of like ask you just to introduce yourself. It's where are you from? Because of course we're both Italians and it kind of makes me laugh a bit as well that we're like having this in English because whenever we speak, we speak in Italian, of course. So this is interesting for me as well. But anyway, yeah. So where are you from and how did you end up being in London? Wow. All right. So this is a heavy one. Um, up for a great start. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So I'm originally from Milan, which is a town in the north of Italy. It's quite a big place, but let's compare it to a sort of version of a mini London. So actually, there is quite a lot going on there. And I started my sort of path um, education wise by actually studying something that was not related at all to music. So after I finished high school, I went to university and I studied philosophy. Uh, I've always been quite a, quite a, <laughs> a studying lover. So I felt like suddenly my days, because my high school was really intense when I finished it, and I suddenly was in a place that was really chilled and laid back. And people used to like love, you know, talking about the meaning of life and all this kind of stuff. And I found myself <laughs> with so much free time. And I was studying music on the side. I had a band. And it was never something that I thought at the time it would be my career at all. It, it just... I was, you know, okay with the idea of becoming a researcher or even a, a teacher or a university lecturer or whatever. Just something related to philosophy or a philosopher, even, you know, <laughs> you never know. Maybe that, that could be still an option. But yeah, I started dedicating a lot more time to my outside projects because uni hours were so, so much less than how much I used to study when I was in high school. So all of a sudden, like this sort of imbalance took over to the point in which I started thinking about alternatives. So I took the courage in my two hands. I didn't tell anyone else, uh, maybe only my best friend at the time. And I went on and did an audition for a musical theater academy that had a full-time course that lasted for two years. Um, and I got in. 
And so all of a sudden, everything changed that I wasn't even sure I was going to tell my parents, like somehow I had this idea that they mm, wouldn't agree with it, or they would probably tell me like, no, you should, you know, go and be a philosopher, or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, but instead, uh, when I told them, they were absolutely you know, ecstatic about it. So they always supported my choices and which is something I'm really grateful for. So I joined this academy. I studied performing arts for two years. It was really intense. It was almost 10 hours a day, um, lots of rehearsals, lots of dance stuff. And you don't want to see me dance. So, I mean, you still don't want to see me dance. So I had to do double the amount of hours in order to be able to be at least at the same level of my classmates. They were all amazing. And um, on the side, I was doing preparing for my exams in philosophy. Um, as soon as the academy finished, I joined a couple of shows. So I did um, Fame. And I performed that. I joined the band. We we went on, on a tour around the country. It was really cool. And all of a sudden I thought, you know what? This is what I want to do for real. And I don't want my life to be myself sitting at the desk and repeating over and over what happened years and years ago. Like talking about Plato. That's great. I still love it. But... Yeah, I want to make the music. So, yeah, I was working and slash studying with a school in Italy that had some uh, partnerships going on with ICMP. And the kind of connection was there. One of my best mates came to ICMP first. And he sort of led the way to our group of friends that all studied at the same school in Italy. And we all came as a group. And... I never left. <laughs> and also, like, there are so many Italians at ICMP. It's insane. And somehow they're all connected. It's amazing how strong our community is. But anyway, this is a little bit of a digression. So you were, of course, an ICMP student. Now you're a tutor. And so how was your time as an ICMP student when you, when you think back about it? Is there anything you would change, you would do differently? Yeah, what would you do if you could go back in time and be a student again? Okay, uh, interesting question. I'm thinking there is one video that I did on, I think it was like maybe my second month ever at ICMP. So let's say I went to ICMP in September 2013 and we're talking November 2013 and the media marketing events team at the time was organizing some videos to promote the school to international students. And I was there in the corridor like by chance and I think they all saw the look on my face because everything was so new to me and so amazing because I come from a place I mean you're Italian as well you know how uh, things a few years ago we're talking eight years ago already oh wow I know I know yeah whatever <laughs> eight years ago um there wasn't a lot of opportunity there weren't a lot of opportunities for um, for contemporary performers to study at a degree level. So for me to go over to London and find out that actually music was seen as a real career and to say, hey, what do you do? I am a musician and not be replied with, oh yeah, so what is your job? But actually, you know, being taken seriously was a thing. It still amazed me. So anyway, I was in this corridor and I think that was really showing. So I got interviewed by this bunch of people and I gave so such enthusiastic replies to everything and anything, <laughs> like with no filters whatsoever. 
And for years and years since that video was uploaded on the YouTube channel, I got stressed out by so many people who were literally going on Facebook, finding my name, and really? just messaging. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I started to work for ITMP, and I used to joke about it, being like, oh, ITMP should pay me because I'm bringing so many people on it and then there we go I think it was kind of a I was really dedicated to it because I think I was grateful to have been given an opportunity not just by ICMP but you know by my group of friends who were really supportive by my family by myself as well allowing me to do this as a choice that then I was encouraging a lot of other people to try and do the same and let's face it, there are lots of music colleges in London, but I think the place where I did my studies was the place that I knew the most of. So obviously I could give more advice on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So interestingly enough, the day after my graduation in 2016, I started working at ICMP. So literally the day after your graduation. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did think not it was, know this. Yeah, yeah. It was like November, whatever. Um, I think we did it on a Saturday. Then I had a day off. Maybe a hangover day, probably. And yeah. then, yeah, on the Monday, I was in the office and I started as a copywriter. So I was literally that missing link between the students and the staff office. Mm -hmm. And I've always, always been fighting for, you know, the people who work there being more related to the students. And compared to what it is now, it, it was completely different. So I'm really happy that this work has been you know, amplifying itself so much since then. And yeah, and then, you know, one thing leads to the other and I got training, you know, I started teaching on my own. I started getting more and more informed and willing to try. And then eventually I started off with the evening courses uh, and now I, I have my own course that I wrote, which is absolutely incredible. Um, I know. I, yeah. think you, I think you led the way for a lot of like work that I'm doing as well. And like our team is doing, but also it's, I love how you literally went from being a student, like because other people knew of ICMP and you sort of knew about ICMP because of them. And then you started working within the marketing team and doing different bits and bobs and then working on courses. And now you, you teach as well. It's like you're probably the person that knows the most about ICMP that I know because you've been there like forever. <laughs> yeah, I've seen literally every layer of it. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. But actually, moving moving away from, from ICMP for a second, I want to ask you about something because recently I found out that there is a meme that was made about you. Oh, no. Because, <laughs> because of your voice being, you know, part of the Jesty jingle in Italy. So you you did um, sing on the jingle for Just Eat, the commercial. So I, yeah. I remember when I went to Italy after you told me this and literally I would hear it every single time. I would like turn on the radio and switch on my TV and you were always there. So how did it happen? How, yeah, but how was it for you? Lara, you have no idea because I didn't know that this was such a big thing, you know, because having done it here, and obviously I, I don't normally listen to Italian commercials because yes, I keep up to date and I watch the news and I listen to maybe even some radio programs that I'm really fond of, but I always listen to the recorded stuff. And so I skip all the adverts. I am outside all that side of, of things because of the internet as well. So I am able to, you know, get away from what's happening commercially. 
And I also came back to Italy last summer and literally I got so annoyed of my own voice. <laughs> I could hear it all the freaking time. And it was coming on the radio, in the car. And I was introduced to new people from some of my mates being like, yeah, she's the one of that voice on the dust. And I was just like, oh, no, 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 please don't do this. Don't do this. This is so embarrassing. But actually, I mean, deep inside, I'm, I'm very proud of it. Um, it, was, it wasn't the first time that I was in a situation like that. I did some commercial slash jingle work when I was a kid as well. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all in like a sort of choir kind of um, environment. And every time I got put on the spot, I was really shy. You won't believe this, but I was really shy as a kid. And I just didn't feel like I had the confidence to, to do it. So eventually I did some stuff, but I was never selected. I didn't, I hadn't got that. I think when you, when you are in this position and you need to prove yourself in an audition for a jingle or anything that will go on the radio, you need to bring something unique to it. Literally a selling point that, is so characterized and in in my in this occasion the commercial was literally someone zapping on the tv and changing channel all the time and seeing all these people with different faces and i had to reproduce different voices and it's something that i really love doing and i thought immediately okay this is my unique selling point i am silly i don't take myself really seriously i can talk like this and still make it work so i did a lot of stuff and and I got through it. Um, so when I when I was a kid, I I didn't have I didn't think about that being the key to my potential work. Mm -hmm. And now I think it's one of my strongest suits. So every every time I can do it, I just I just do it. Well, anyway, I did it in London. So obviously months were passing by, and I just got you know I got my contract down. I did a lot of sessions. I worked with the people from the Just Eat company in Italy, flying over to London. We did a lot of research. Wow, okay. We tried different versions. We tried different words. There was a Danish singer who did the, the Danish version on the same day and a French singer who did the French version. It was really cool. And then in the end, yeah, I came back and I was kind of a, a food delivery celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are worse things to be associated oh with, but yeah. So, of course, you do a lot of things, like you've already told me of many different things that you've been involved with, but you are a session musician as well. And I know that recently you've been working with a massive artist, like, I cannot even believe it, Cat Stevens, like, of course, now known as Yusuf Islam. How did that happen? That is another interesting story. Um, it happened totally randomly. It's another one of those things in life that you cannot prepare for. So no matter how much you can have a brilliant CV and send it out to a lot of different companies, etc., at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> you have to have a little bit of luck. And I cannot deny it. I, I can be as professional as you want, but I was really lucky in that context. I um, replied to an advert on one of those Facebook groups looking for session singers. And obviously it was the beginning of lockdown in 2020. So the general vibe going through my circuit was to literally grab anything going on because we suddenly lost more than half of our work. And I was already pretty lucky because I was teaching at ICMP. So I had a lot to do anyway and the year was obviously going through an end. I am teaching on the higher diploma, which usually ends uh, after the Easter period. So I knew it wasn't something that 
could sustain me for a summer of potential COVID, even though we didn't know anything. So I just started like applying for literally anything that I could find. Um, and someone was looking for a few session singers on Facebook. So I replied to the ad. I sent a few demos out, uh, just showcasing a few of my vocal qualities and I got selected and then I found out that this project was actually uh, <laughs> um, quite interesting. So I had to re-record new arrangements of old Cat Stevens songs, Yusuf Islam songs, um, for his foundation. So I did this uh, interesting remote sessions working on Logic from my home studio here in mm -hmm. Camden, uh, directly onto the producer's house, uh, wherever that was. <laughs> yeah, how was that? It was crazy. So I, I had too many things open on my desktop. I'm also rubbish with technology. So you can imagine me like surrounded by cables and microphones. And then every two seconds, but are you sure you can hear me? Because I, I don't know what I'm doing. And then literally this really nice guy, um, really nice person who is the producer who's working with Chad Stevens management uh, all the time was really easy to work with and in a situation like that where I felt so lonely and you know all of a sudden all your mates that you're constantly rehearsing and playing and, and creating things where literally you're left on your own somehow it was exactly the same as being in a studio he was giving me so much advice on how to give more interpretation here and uh, and seriously, the songs we did together, they were amazing. Because Yusuf Islam has worked with so many decades of history of music. So there is the 70s period, which is very much peace and love. And he was one of the one of the main exponents. Can I say this word? Or one of yeah, the main... Yeah, let's say it. <laughs> whatever. I hope you guys understand. <laughs> one of the main uh, perpetrators of this, of this message of everyone should love each other. So... Some of sometimes these songs were very much explicitly you should take the other person's hand and just stroll together in were the park. Were they like a little bit cheesy? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> and then others... I don't know many songs. Like if if I'm being honest with you, I only know like I don't know probably like a bunch of songs, like eight, ten songs that he that he like composed and and sang on. Like I I have no idea about all of this. Like, did you know them all, or did you have to sort of like go? And oh no, not at all. He released. I, I huge number of albums so there was literally a ton of material and as i said before they were so varied so there was this cheesy peace and love attitude then there were some more introspective um meaning of life kind of thing so as you know one of my favorite things to talk about <laughs> and then, <laughs> exactly and then there were um some more like musical theaterish kind of uh kind of dramatic things like one in i remember one in which i had to pretend that i was an archaeologist and finding this uh, precious oh you love that i'm sure oh man it was incredibly awesome and and i didn't even know that i was actually linked at the same time to the producer and to him as well and I only found out when at one point uh, <laughs> I think it was when I was recording one of the cheesy lovey-dovey songs I made a comment such as oh yeah uh, I don't know I think I made up another line like we could look at each other's eyes forever I don't know just something really cheesy and then uh, Yusuf's manager called the producer and said yeah Yusuf has heard Francesca say this and he can't stop laughing what? and I was like oh no oh no so yeah, no guys, way. be careful if you're doing anything remote. Be careful what you're saying. I got <laughs> you really don't lucky. know who's listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never know who's listening. Exactly. I genuinely loved what I was doing. 
so obviously he appreciated the comment because I think after 40 years of career, you can look back at your own work and be like, yeah, hopefully, perhaps yeah. maybe my lyrics could have been, you know, a little bit yeah, different. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> wow. But okay. It was really awesome. So, and you know what? Um, actually, his foundation is right round the corner from ICMP because... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... Um, he acquired um, a recording studio around Queen's Park, which is where his headquarters are at the moment. He even owns a school there, um, oh, like wow, a proper, okay. uh, a proper comprehensive school, not a music school. Um, I think his his plan is to create some community work around the area, and that is where these songs once the arrangement is finished because it's still an ongoing project mm-hmm. they're eventually gonna go through so i don't exactly know what i've done so far like what the final purpose of it will be because he's got so many hands everywhere things going on yeah exactly so he wanted to back up his catalog with some younger uh, maybe more contemporary stylized singers and and i was one of them so really really an amazing experience. I can't wait to meet the others once the situation is over. Yeah, I bet. Wow, that's that's really cool. So when you, of course, when you were talking about like his songwriting and like lyrics, I know that you also, you know, you released some stuff that you wrote yourself and then you then you sang on. Was it something that you were always doing or was it something that you sort of like developed as you were going through all these multiple experiences within the industry? Um, I think in a way, it's something that I've always been doing. Um, I've always been trying to work with other bands, so collaborating. And at the moment, I am involved in multiple projects where we are creating original material, but it's always a band vibe. And I released two songs in the past year, and for them, it felt different. I wanted to prove myself and to try and create a whole arrangement on my own and have a demo that I recorded on my own and then having session musicians uh, stepping in and doing exactly what I wanted rather than having a collaboration. So it's a sort of experiment for me. And obviously it's something that a singer-songwriter does all the time. But in my case, because I was, I have been primarily a session singer, um, it was quite a challenge, but a really cool one that has given me some new horizons to look forward to. So it's something that I'm planning to develop in the future, for sure. Uh, however, at the moment, I am still focusing on band writing because this is just, a, you know, more complete. I feel like working with other people is just giving you more options and mm-hmm. more perspectives. It's equally interesting, you know, to do it on your own, but... Yeah, especially now I think you realize how good it is to actually be working on something with other minds that maybe have different views from you. Yeah, because I was gonna, I was also gonna touch on that, like the fact that you've been doing so many things remotely. How does it feel now? I mean, this is something that has been discussed so many times by different artists, but like, how does it feel now for you to, yeah, again, have been working on so many things remotely? Like, are you looking forward to going back to? whatever normal may look like like what's what's your perspective now on working remotely like on your own even if collaboratively but missing the social side of it like the physical side of it I can't wait for (laughs) I can't wait to you know share a moment just everyone sat on the same table and or even to just hug someone it's been such a tough year and I think I've been going through many ups and downs related to my work as well because 
when you don't have the direct impression of somebody and it's always through a screen it's very easy to to lose that unsaid communication that that mm-hmm. vibe that you create just by your presence being somewhere body language and, and yeah. just the vibe that you get when you're like in a room with someone creating and and yeah exactly and for example i've been working with this band recently um we we are putting out a lot of new, new material now and as soon as things reopen we're gonna go in a studio and it's been great but the process itself has been really uh, sort of lonely because I get the rhythm section, for example, sends me over what they've been working on separately. They record their parts and then I do a sort of mini arrangement of my parts and then I send it over to the guitarist and he does something on it. And then at the end, kind of like rotates and gets back to me. But it feels a little bit like that game where you have someone next to you and you whisper something in their ear and then they have to go through everybody else and then the message comes back to you and you lose something along the way. You I know? guess, what, what's it called in English? Do you know? Because I know what's it called oh, in Italian. Man. I, I can think about it. Let me Google it. <laughs> it's like a wireless phone in Italian, right? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, I have no idea, but yeah, it's, it's literally that nursery kind of... Uh... <laughs> game that you play. <laughs> yeah exactly like broken telephone maybe something like that broken telephone it could be i need to look it up as well like i want to remember but um so yeah i think it kind of works because obviously we're all professional so it's not that broken that telephone message it kind of gets back to me and respects the idea that i had initially had but it loses that uh that sparkle it loses that momentum because it just stays there for a little bit. And when it comes back to me, it's a little bit stale. So yeah. it would be just much easier to, to be in a rehearsal room. Having said that, I'm very grateful that we can still do something at least. No, of course. Of course. Definitely. I guess the fact that you do so many different things is um, is really helpful to you because you, you're still able to work and, and get super busy. And also, I mean, you're doing a master's as well. Like, yeah. why, why did you feel the need <laughs> to also do a master's while you're working oh. and teaching and playing and, and working with Yusuf Islam and, and like <laughs> singing your own stuff and writing it and arranging it? Like, why? <laughs> uh, I can't stop. <laughs> I can tell. Um, yeah, so the idea, uh, I think it's a mixture of uh, reasons, really. Firstly, I felt like after a couple of years of really intense gigging and really intense work as a session player with not a lot of room for creative um, exploration or experimenting with new sonorities, new sounds, I, I wanted something to uh, unlock myself and really make me discover that love for music once again. I think when you start to when you start from a hobby, let's say you really love painting, and then each time you come back from school, you start painting in your free time, and then painting becomes your job. When you have some free time, you don't want to paint anymore. No, it's something, yeah, I get it. It kind yeah. of happened to me. So I, I used to come home and I couldn't be bothered to listen to music because my horizons weren't were just there. Like I could see a limit to it. I just wanted silence, <laughs> which is insane because for, you know, 25 years of my life, I it was all I wanted ever, 24 hours, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So I needed to discover that, that flame again and going into something else. So at the moment I'm studying jazz studies, which 
is really wide as a as a genre and as an environment it opens up to new sounds orchestral type of sounds and the idea of being a lot freer in your interpretation of material but within boundaries because the idea of being completely free with no boundaries scares me like crazy <laughs> so i i still need a couple of you know some sort of structure exactly like something i can cling on mm-hmm. but that you know like it's like having a leash that is really really long this time yeah yeah that's a a really good way to to picture it actually yeah exactly and I feel like I can go a lot further now and see stuff that I wasn't seeing before because my leash was really short (laughs) haha yeah it works okay I love this so how do you because I mean it's it all sounds amazing right like I, I really admire you but how do you cope with like doing so many things like how's it been for you because you know I, I I have not had like the same sort of like experiences that you've had but I know that whenever I get really busy I feel really happy but also like my body may not be happy and my mind may not be happy all the times so, like what were your coping yeah. mechanisms and how were you able to just organize your your mind to do so many different things yeah that's a, a very very spot-on question actually so what I don't want to come across when I say this kind of stuff is to be a superhero because I am really not. Um, I just feel the need to fill up my days because I'm one of these people that works well under pressure. And I like to, I, I suddenly think the moment that I have a day off, it really makes me panic because I need, I need food continuously. I also need food, but I also need food continuously to to try and, and, and do something new and something else and something else. But I think at some point, and that happened literally a year ago, right before the, the first wave of the pandemic, um, I, I felt like my body was giving me signs that what you just said now is actually a thing. And I was underestimating the impact of it. Unfortunately, time accumulates not only your age, but also whatever you put on yourself. And I felt like every little drop of stuff that I was building on top of my body was weighing on me so much that it actually started to affect different parts of my body. But most of all, the one that I need the most, which is my voice. So I started feeling a lot of vocal fatigue. I got to a point in which I was told by doctors that if I was carrying on with that same lifestyle, Bearing in mind that I was paying attention to a lot of these details, I wasn't getting dehydrated or I wasn't, you know, drinking. I mean, you don't smoke, you don't, exactly. yeah, I mean, your lifestyle is sort of like healthy. I was trying to cope with it, but it was simply not a sustainable option for me to carry on mm-hmm. living three lives instead of one. Yeah. Um. So I was literally told repetitively to stop a few things and dedicate time to actually face myself and I feel like probably, I mean, this is a vulnerable topic. I, I know it, it's touching probably something really personal, but I'm, I'm happy to talk about it because I think it's vital for anyone who's really proactive and willing to, to achieve, achieve, achieve every day like I am um, to actually make sure this is not a way to avoid facing who you are and mm-hmm. actually having that moment of nothingness can actually be a, a good a good moment for yourself, for your soul, for your body to feel 
all in one. And I think in a city like London, it's very easy to get inside the loop. Because the moment you get out of it, you have that FOMO. So Mm -hmm. you really fear of, you know, missing out all all these events and you are being bombarded with so many adverts and have you tried this new place there? And have you gone to this concert, et cetera, et cetera. And I was on a roller coaster all the time, but you know, you need to get out of it at some point. So cutting out that little space for yourself is vital. So Yeah. yeah, I am doing all this stuff, but I am now trying to put myself at first. So if there's at any point, any sign that makes me think, actually, wait a minute, can I actually accommodate this request? Maybe it's better if I move it to next month or let me finish this project first. I think it's, yeah, you have to live within this and the yes man sort of attitude, especially if you're a musician and you're getting told, yes, you should get every gig. Yeah, I was going to say that I think on one end, you sort of like feel the pressure to just say yes to as many things as you can. But then by doing so, you sort of like neglecting what your body needs and what your mind needs. And also, it's okay to not being active all the time. Like we're all different. It's absolutely fine. And I think in a way, like the fact that you said that this happened to you just before the beginning of like the first lockdown makes me think that after all, maybe you sort of like needed that little bit of a break. So I'm glad in a way, like timing was weirdly, weirdly working for you. So I'm sort of like glad. Oh, um, thank you. But yeah, it was glad for me. Now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally changed a lot of my perspectives. I have some rituals every day that I'm trying to go through. Yeah. It's most of all like mental training, literally something that I'm saying to myself. Also, because we're spending so much time on Teams or Zoom or these softwares, I found myself straining my voice because I, I was maybe like, leaning towards the microphone or shouting mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. so now I treat it exactly the same way as I as if we were in person I try to take deeper breaths I, I try to lift my tone of voice a little bit up if I am if I'm talking a lot of time during the day it's like these little things that all together they accumulate the same way as the heavy ones but they do it in a positive towards a positive outcome and so yeah. far it's been paying off so I, I will I won't abandon it I swear <laughs> okay <laughs> that's good um moving back to your current studies I read something uh, a couple of days back um there was this report by Dr Sarah Rain it was published by she said so and it said that only 11% of full-time teachers on jazz degree courses in the UK are women mm-hmm. and I was like I mean for some reason it was really hard for me to believe that because in my mind, if I think of like jazz, yes, of course, I think of like, you know, probably the most famous musicians are men. Yes. But if I think of like modern jazz and the sort of like my idea is like there are a lot of women involved, but apparently that's not the case. So I just wanted to know just what you think. What's your take on this? And it, do you think it's something that you see um, reflected in your like uni environment as well? And just overall your thoughts about it? It's a, a very interesting um topic this one that you're bringing up especially in the last few days even in my small community um in the conservatoire where i'm studying at the moment um we have been discussing that quite a lot um i think since i have been a student there it's it's making me it's been making me feel like everybody who's involved in that environment is fighting against this but it's really difficult to fight against a systemic 
prejudice. I think mm-hmm. this has been the year of realization of how much a systemic thought you don't even realize it's there, but no matter what you do to avoid it, it's at the roots of it. So it, it kind of forms that lenses with which we look at the world. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's a thing for musicians, but not just in jazz. It's a thing for musicians, full stop. It's always been like that. And somehow, even though times are changing, it shouldn't be the case, in my opinion, of us acknowledging this change and and sort of like uh, congratulate ourselves with that because it's wrong in the first place. Why, why are there so many uh, unbalances in this world? Why do we need to consider a singer who can also play an instrument and they are a female uh, person as someone who is, you know, more special because they actually can play a piano or a guitar and they cannot just sing apart from the fact that just sing it's not just not a thing it's really not a thing and i'm so glad that vocal teaching has become you know something really successful because it it has to do with our bodies and it's, it's just grand but apart from that it's not I don't think it needs to be put on a different kind of pedestal just because someone who is a player is a female person. That is in itself something really wrong. And it can also lead you to think that perhaps some marketing choices have been, you know, done just because the player oh, yeah, was, a, definitely. was a female. Yeah, I think, you know, this is something that we have talked about before as well. I think people see, you know, the old female band as, you know, some sort of like a fetish kind of thing you know oh it's all female so they must be cool and then of course maybe they're wearing like you know really cool clothes and maybe they're showing a bit of their skin and then it's a really really complicated thing I don't want to get into the whole lot but I'm thinking also just because you're you're Italian as I am like where we come from and you touched on this before being a musician is already challenging enough because like no one really takes you seriously I you know, it's happened to me. I'm not a musician, but it's happened to friends of mine, to my partner, to like, I know that whenever you say, this is what I do and this is what I'm trying to do, people laugh in your face. And some something makes me think that it's even worse if you're female or female identifying because it's it's one of those things like really, like you should only be worrying about like having kids and, and build your family and, and whatnot. Do you know what I mean? So is this real for you as well? <laughs> Absolutely. I totally I totally see this happening. I don't want to point a finger on my country because, I mean, if I could, I mean, I mean, I love Italy so much. It's literally my favorite place to be. But I can see that this comes not from distorted minds of someone who's mean and lives there. It's just a part of what the cultural background of where we are right now is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it will take more than uh, a female drummer or a female guitarist to bring up a movement that, that goes against this to r- literally really scoop and change that mentality. And even here, and I mean, obviously London is a much more open 
place where these things are considered more normal and the communities here are brilliant and really inclusive and I I am really grateful to be a part of of them but still I find myself proving to myself most of all that I am not just a female singer I am a musician yeah I think this is really true like I think as women we overall within the business like the music business but just overall as like with our careers we feel like we need to do extra just to show that we deserve to be where we are it's it's so it's yeah I know it's scary like I say it and I and I see myself doing this but at the same time it makes me so sad yeah are people that and usually men mostly men that don't even think about these things and they just go for it and and they end up like getting their the jobs and probably even getting paid more it's really true but you know what i think i am seeing all this with a positive filter because i'm realizing that the newer generations and just saying the words the newer generations makes me feel so old (laughs) but it's true seriously um a lot of my younger classmates because obviously i'm doing a master's now now i'm 30 um it's pretty much you know I'm, i'm considered a mature student not very mature but you know considering like that a lot of my classmates are my same age but I have a lot of younger classmates and I just see in my students as well at ICMP or when I teach privately and we have this type of conversations they they seem to see the world with different eyes I think their nurturing environment was a lot more open to this especially here in London which makes me think in the future actually a, it's only me who, who has these prejudices against myself, so probably I should stop that and actually stop proving you know anything to anybody else because these people, they, they are not there to point their fingers at me at all. Yeah. And actually, they're really welcoming. They don't think that until I say it to them, so why should I even bring it up? And then it just makes me feel like probably these generations are the ones that will bring that change simply oh, because yeah, they don't sure. have it. For sure. We may not be able to see it because we're old already, but <laughs> they definitely are. No, definitely. And so, of course, because you sing and not just sing, but you also play piano. And do you play any other instruments? Like, how was that um, perspective, what you were just talking about for you? So being the one who can sing very well, but also plays an instrument and also works on arrangements and also does other things. And now is a jazz studies master student and also a musician like how was that for you like big winning for my own I think pride which is a very bad word to use in here but also it makes me feel um like I have the integrity to a coach someone else Mm -hmm. I really stress out on this I I didn't want to start teaching until I was completely sure I wasn't ruining anybody's, you know, first of all, instrument, but also mindset. That's why it took me so long to even start. And and I'm still doing workshops. I'm still trying to get myself updated. I go on to the the British Voice Association uh, meetings. I do as much training as I can because it's something that is evolving all the time. But also this arranging aspect is because it's my subject. I don't want to be that person who only knows about half of the alphabet. If I am a musician, I want to know what music is. Why Why is it so important for me? And again, the philosopher is coming back. It's like, <laughs> you know, I want to know. But it's true. I want to know why, what is it of music that makes me want to listen to it? Why is it? I mean, if it's the same as speaking to you, why? 
Are we not just speaking? Why do we feel the need to communicate through that? And I think by learning what the mechanisms are, I am still able to enjoy it because then I, I can see the bigger picture, but I can also see exactly what's happening. And that makes me think, oh, yeah, that could be the key. And therefore, I could sing in a certain way to, to convey that message that it's not just about the lyrics that I'm saying, it's about mm -hmm. the atmosphere and everything else that I'm doing with it. So yeah, I think it's most of all because it's my craft and I want to and I want to be able to claim and shout it from the highest mountains that this is something that I know because it's it's mine and I can embrace it all and that's the reason why I chose to to do that. Um right, so I sort of like finished my questions, but it was really really good. I just want to know what are you up to now because of course we are hopefully beginning to see the light at the at the end of the tunnel unless it's another train. Um <laughs> So, sorry, I love Please, this. I love don't. this. No, don't make it be a train. Hopefully it's real light, but um, meaning the end of, you know, lockdowns and the beginning of, you know, a sort of like more, again, I hate the word normal because nothing is going to be normal after this. And in a way it's good that it won't be, but if you know what I mean, just like just being able to be um, with other people. So what are you working on? What are your plans? If you're making any, I'm sure you are because, you know, considering all the things you get involved in. Yeah. What are the, uh, the current projects that you're working on? So project number one is actually graduating now. So I want to, yeah, it's hopefully I'll be able to finish my master's in June. But at the same time, I, I have been recording for a jazz album of a friend of mine um, that will be out in spring. And don't worry, I'll just bombard you all with a lot of promo material. I was about to say, that. where can we find it? We just need to follow Francesca <laughs> on social media and she will tell us. Don't worry. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I, I have been working in remotely in Italy with a lounge uh, chill-out project of arranging okay. and yeah it's kind of a, a new new world for me but it's really interesting and it's something that we've been doing during lockdown uh or remotely and hopefully it will be published through um a, a label in italy so we're just waiting for a confirmation for that and then yeah i mean I'm, i'm just looking forward to starting being on stage again i have some bookings for spring and a lot of bookings for end of summer so hopefully these things will start working out Fingers and if crossed. i exactly and if i actually go in the studio with my new band that i was talking about earlier uh hopefully we'll be able to tour whenever we are out in the wild in a few can months. you can you tell us the name of the band yeah the name of the band is terra viva okay. um and we are doing jazzy folk world music so it's interesting a lot of stuff just as always it's been lovely to talk to you thank you so much it was a really really good first episode back well thank you very much lara for asking me to do this it was really good fun and you know it wasn't that bad we talked in english all the time so big, we made it we made it well thank you very much and yeah i hope to see you soon in real life <laughs> <laughs>